There's been an awakening. Have you felt it? Light it up. Welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in, because here's where the fun begins. Greetings, Tauntauns, and welcome to this 209th installment of Unmistakably Star Wars. I'm your curator of content for this evening's journey, Devin Cleffer, but hey... I am not going to be sticking around long because once again, the very fabulous Regina Sanders is in charge of this conversation regarding episode two of The Mandalorian entitled The Child. So let's join Regina, Carl, and Barb as they talk about episode two of The Mandalorian, The Child, in this week's Closer Look. This bickering is pointless. Why are you asking this of me? I am here because you are here all our resources to unravel this mystery. You must unlearn what you have learned. What did you say? Same thing I always do, talk my way out of it. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. How simple you make it. Life and dark as if there is one without the other. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Hello, everyone. You're back listening to, by the way, the Unmistakably Star Wars recap show for The Mandalorian. My name is Gina, and I'm back with Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Gina. How are you doing? I am fantastic, seeing as I just watched this episode twice, literally just now. (laughs) (laughs) So good again. It's always so good. I just love it. Every, Every episode just elevates. Um, but also, you all heard a very distinctive laugh. We are with Barb. Hi, Barb. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Oh, my goodness. How are you feeling, Barb? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm excited, too. I watched the episode twice today, uh, once this morning and again this evening. So I'm excited to talk about it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. With that, we will just get right into it. So today's episode was titled Chapter 2, The Child. It was directed by Rick Famuyahu. It was written by John Favreau, and its original release date was November 15th, 2019, right on Disney+. Plus. So the first thing that we're going to get into is who collected the bounty for this week and what deserves to be frozen in carbonite. And essentially, these are just our highs and lows. So I'm going to start with you, Barb. Um, who collected the bounty or what collected the bounty for you this week? <laughs> I actually, I have two highs. My okay. f- my first high was seeing the Mandalorian disintegrate somebody. That <laughs> I'm just like, there it is. Disintegration right there when he first gets attacked in the ravine when he's walking back with the child. Um, so that, that to me was a huge highlight because we know that, you know, that famous line in Empire Strikes Back when Vader's talking to Boba Fett, he says, no disintegration. And so, (laughs) so that, that was a huge highlight for me. And just, um, my second highlight, this part, I just, I really adored this part, uh, when the Mandalorian is trying to heal his wound on his arm and the child 
comes out of his little carriage thing twice his little pod <laughs> that he's in and he comes and he puts his hand up and there, there's this like little bit of music as if he's going to perform some Jedi healing and the Mandalorian just picks him up and puts him back and then he does it again and again it has that sound and his eyes kind of close a little I'm like oh is he going to do it and the Mandalorian just picks him up and puts him right back in the pod so I'm like <laughs> this is the best it's like you, you still have this character building of the Mandalorian where he he's he's showing a sensitive side but not you know it's mm -hmm. like no 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 I'm not gonna kill you but you <laughs> you go back in your pod where you belong <laughs> I just those were my two highlights so we are one in the same because him <laughs> having to keep picking him up and putting him back in the carrier is also one of my highlights. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely loved that moment. Um, my second one was when um, little baby YOLO, as we remember Carl named him <laughs> in our first episode, um, he like put, I guess, some kind of creature or some insect in his mouth and the Mandalorian was like, <laughs> spit it out. <laughs> and it oh, just reminded frog. me of like, yeah. Yeah, frog legs. Um, it reminded me of like every time I've ever had to like babysit a kid during VBS <laughs> <Yes>. or something, <laughs> mm -hmm. I absolutely loved that. What was your What was your highlights for you, Carl? Okay, uh, the you know the bounty goes to the Jawa fight. You know, <laughs> I loved the Jawa fight. And first of all, it was just good action. Mm -hmm. So you know, this was a there was very little dialogue in this episode. Really, it was a lot of just moving mm -hmm. around, and you just really got to take in the visuals, which. That won the bounty last week for me, and I still love it. I mean, this is beautifully done. Uh, just, you know, you could tell the budget they put into it, the effort they put into it. It's, it's just gorgeous to look at, all these great scenery. So, um, but we got to take it in. Just the little creatures at the beginning, the little lizard-like creatures roaming around, things like that. But the Jawa fight, the reason I liked it so much is, you know, Star Wars had gotten to where we're really focusing on the cutesy, right? Can y'all name some name some cute creatures from Star Wars? Oh, um, Ewoks. The Loth Cats. Okay, Loth Cats, good. Ewoks. Yeah, I knew Barb was going with the Ewoks. Ewoks. <laughs> Porgs. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, we gotten cutesy, which is good. I mean, it's got its place, but we almost had gotten to like thinking, oh, Jawas are cute too. Um, but Jawas aren't cute. You know, they're, if you go back to A New Hope, it's like they're nasty and, you know, they're not really what people the people want to hang around with even you know uncle owen is like <laughs> you know uh, let's be sure to wipe mind wipe these things i don't care who they belong to and he was kind of telling them way hey, we don't want anything stolen you know you know who you're dealing with when, you, when you're dealing with the jawas and so the fact that you know they're stripping this ship you know you think they're scavengers but this ship is like you could tell hey if that hadn't been sitting here very long in the desert and they're stripping that thing down and then when he comes after them they just take off they're like they're not making any apologies about it but uh, you know they're just they're and they're they're formidable a little bit. You know they're small in stature, but they do have enough wherewithal to sort of you know shocking like they did. You know a call back again to New Hope, shocking him like they did R two D two, and getting him to where he falls off it, it, dis disabled. So I love the Jawa fight. It just kind of reminds us that you know the Jawas are actually rough. This is a rough place. Little cutesy things aren't going to live out here in the desert and be scrappers. So I liked how I was reminded about that. Um, but also, of course, I, I'm surprised neither one of y'all mentioned, you know, when YOLO lifts the creature in the air. <laughs> yes. and, well, I, I uh, figured I figured somebody was going to name that yeah, part. Same. So. <laughs> well, this is the funny thing about that for me was, OK, my wife and I had a little date night tonight. So I got home from work and I was 
uh, my, my son was here and I was getting ready. I was like, look, I'm getting ready to go out with your mom, but we can start watching the Mandalorian. And first he was like, uh, do I have to watch it right now? I'm like, listen, you can do what you want to. I got to watch it and I have to be prepared for it tonight. <laughs> so he's like, okay. So we start watching it and we get about halfway through it. And I'm like, okay, I got to go. I got to go meet your mother and we'll just finish it when I get home. And he's like, do I have to? Can I, can I finish watching it, dad? Please. Can I? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, man, go ahead and watch it. Oh, that's fine. Oh, so we, I don't get out of the neighborhood. My phone rings. He's like, dad, 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 dad. <laughs> You, can I can I spoil something for you? Really, 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 really big. I'm like, no, <laughs> really, really, really big. And so when I, and I actually had to watch it on my phone when we went home from my date with my wife. But as I was, uh, she was driving, so I was safety first. <laughs> yep, safety first. But uh, as I was watching it, it came to that part. You know, I had stopped it not long before that, so we got to that part, and I'm like, ah, that's what it was because it was, and it was a great sport, and I loved it because we're, we're dealing with the force. Mm-hmm. We, we we asked that question last week. Okay, it, it's a Yoda looking creature. We automatically think force, but you know, or it again, we talked about this off the air. We don't know what species it is. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they're naturally inclined to be more sensitive to the force than other species. We just know Yoda is really good at it. So we all kind of thought. Okay, it's gonna be. Is it gonna be the force? It doesn't have to be, but is it? And so, of course, we didn't have to wait long. It's like, yep, we're going there. So yeah. I loved it. Love that whole. That was a great scene right there. Yeah, I think it's so funny that you didn't let your son spoil it for you because my dad is the exact opposite. I'll be like, can I spoil? And he's like, yeah, go ahead, give me all the spoilers. <laughs> so I'm actually probably gonna spoil this episode to him like after we're done with this. Um, but moving on to what should be frozen in carbonite, Barb, what is your moment? Is there a moment or character or a thing for you? Well, okay, so it wasn't a disappointing moment as much as it was just my least favorite. And it was when it was when the Jawas cut open the egg and started eating it. Because I'm like, <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking like uh, this thick substance coming out of the egg. I'm like. Okay, if I think of it as a giant Cadbury egg, it's not as gross. I'm like, just think that they're eating a Cadbury egg. But if you don't, (laughs) it it was so disgusting to me. (laughs) Okay, so this might sound sound kind of weird, but what's a what's a Cadbury egg? A Cadbury Mm. egg? Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh my goodness! A Cadbury cream egg. They come out at Easter. Are are you serious? You don't know because Carl, you know was, what one is, right? Oh, I love those things. They're like the best, yeah, the best candy, especially seasonal candy because they they kind of take it away for a while. But yeah, it's a it's a chocolate egg shaped uh, piece of candy, and it's got a white cream and a little bit of yellow center in that cream. Yeah, it's so it like a sugary, like a sugary mm-hmm. creamy filling inside a chocolate egg. I'm yes. I'm gonna blame the fact that I've been lactose intolerant for like a few years on why I've I've never like yes. ignored that. Because wow, <laughs> yeah, you gotta okay. So at Easter, I'm gonna send you a bunch of Cadbury cream eggs because <laughs> I've I grew up she on these. Well, lactose intolerant. We'll, we'll pop a lactose. We'll we'll, we'll do a lactate okay. pill. We'll pray it works. Yeah. It'll yeah. Be good. yeah. <laughs> keep a keep a window open. <laughs> okay, okay. A little tangent there, but that's what a Cadbury cream I'm egg sorry. is. I'm sure most of the listeners know what I'm talking about. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Carl, what was what should be frozen in carbonite for you? Um, you know what? I turned it on, and then the little bar pops up at the bottom, and it says 32 minutes. I'm like, 
30, 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to me? <laughs> Dave Filoni, John Favreau. Come on. I want all I can get. You know, I'm addicted to this stuff already. And this little, this little bitty taste is not going to, you know, keep me satisfied. So, you know, it was a good episode. I love the episode. I just want more. And I guess, you know, they spent, they had a, a budget. What they've given us is beautiful and done well. So I guess, you know, if we go quality over quantity, I'm not going to complain about that, but I would like to have some more. Um, and, and as far as actually in the in the show, the only thing is, and it kind of goes with Genus Carbonite last week, you know, the more that he keeps his helmet on, there's, there's sometimes that it's almost like, you know, the voice and the acting don't quite, you know, it almost seems like it was like a one-take deal almost. Like when he's leaving, and we don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but uh, Kuiai, Kuaiul, whoever it is, you know, the little Ugnaught yeah. that's... Um, they both seem to be kind of like, thank you for bringing peace to my valley. Oh, I can only offer you my thanks. It was kind of stilted, and I think it was, I don't know if it's just because we can't see the real faces of the people as they're talking that sort of takes it out a little bit. That's extra nitpicky. I love the episode. That's just, if I had to freeze anything in carbonite, that would be it. So hmm. my frozen in carbonite moment is also actually really um, nitpicky. I have a weird quirk about eyes. I hate them so much. They're like the grossest thing in the world. So when, <laughs> so when the Mandalorian went down into that cave, do we mm-hmm. I don't know if that the horned beast has a name or if we know what its species is, but when he was looking around and it just opened his eyes, I was immediately like, "Ew, that is so disgusting." <laughs> so mine in the grand scheme of things, mine isn't like well really big out there but i was just like did we have to focus so much on the eyeball (laughs) well i i liked that because the way that it was filmed you knew it was about to happen like with the Mm -hmm. with the music and just the panning Mm -hmm. to the left of the creature i'm like okay where's the eye gonna open well the whole time i was like okay i feel something's coming but i didn't know it was an eye and i think it's just because i hate them so much (laughs) that i'm just like Mm -hmm. we're gonna pretend eyes don't exist (laughs) (laughs) um all right so we've said what collected our bounties and what should be frozen in carbonite up next our spoiled riddle episode recap yoda baby you're the cutest thing I did see, oh me. I'm in an awful tight spot, Yoda baby, so use the force to help me tonight. Yoda baby, your eyes are so big and brown, so round. They've seen all my trouble, Yoda baby, so use the force to help me tonight. Your adorable and quivering ears Shake much more when you sense fear Just think I could have died If I didn't always have you near Yoda baby, escaping your floating bin Staying it's a dangerous world, Yoda baby So use the force to help me tonight Yoda cutie, we really must discuss what you eat Frog feet I have to tell you that's gross, Yoda baby So use the force to help me tonight 
bounty hunters trying to kill you. Why that is, I haven't got a clue. But if you fall into wrong hands, what kind of evil would they make you do? Yoda, baby, I hope this all turns out good. It should. I know you'll do your best, Yoda, baby. So use the force to help me. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the episode. Um, so we start out, and the Mandalorian is ambushed by Trandoshans. Um, were you yeah. guys super familiar? I am not super familiar. Yeah, um, you know, being a bounty hunter show, uh, you know, the the famous bounty hunters that we first got to get a look at yeah. in Empire Strikes Back, uh, IG-88, which we've seen IG-11, so that's kind of the callback to that. We see uh, Boba Fett, of course, mm-hmm. Mandalorian gear. We also see Bosk, and Bosk is a Trandoshan, so, oh. um, and he pops up in other stuff down the road, but IG-88 and Bosk, we'd really... In the original trilogies, when they were out, we really didn't know anything about them. They looked cool. They were bounty hunters. And so it just feels like that's just a callback to these type of species or robots that are good at bounty hunting. Or it's just something they kind of culturally pass along. Exactly. And I feel... Sorry. No, go ahead. ahead. I I feel like that is is just also... um, Sorry. Showing how the bounty is still alive you know people are mm-hmm. there's still bounty hunters after the bounty even though the mandalorian has got the bounty mm-hmm. and taking it back so you know for those who know, you know harken back to empire strikes back and know exactly what the bounty hunters look like on the starship uh star uh, star destroyer then mm-hmm. Then they know that, okay, so there's still bounty hunters going to be chasing the Mandalorian as he tries to get the bounty, if that's what he's going to do, on little YOLO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they um, they double down on that, too, with the, the, the fire. After he fought them all, there's that fire blade on the ground. So it's like, yeah, there's not only the bounty hunters out there, they all have these fobs that are attract that will attract them to, mm-hmm. to YOLO, which my son asked me a question while we was watching half of it. When he started to go into that cave, he's like taking YOLO with him. And he's like, why is he taking the kid with it? You know, it looks dangerous. And I said, well, you know, he wants to protect it. And he says, well, he could have left it with the Jawas and the, in that Ugnot. And I kind of thought about it for a second. And then it hit me there too. Well, he could, but they, you know, they're whoever's out there still coming for him. Not only are they coming for him, but they have a, device that will lead it to him so if he left they might be attacked and and they wouldn't be able to fend them off where he would at least probably be able to have a better shot of fending off other bounty hunters so yeah um yeah that's clearly clearly the case there are lots of people who are going to be and they're not trying no one seems to be taking it alive except for mandalorian he seems to be Mm -hmm. the only one that got the message that that was preferred but we we can deal with it dead because that one trandosian was running straight for it like i'm gonna kill it Mm mm-hmm well, I was just going to say, not only is this show going to reveal me to be a major Pedro Pascal fangirl, but it's also going to reveal me to be a fake Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fake Star Wars fan by any stretch of the means. Right. Neither one of y'all are just, neither one of y'all are really real true Star Wars fans like me because I was born <laughs> and I saw them all in the theaters, you know, but, you know, everybody, no, I'm just, I kid. That's just an inside joke for us. Because right. Yes. Unmistakably Star Wars eat. joke. Long running uh, yeah. time joke. 
because Eve was attacked by somebody who truly felt that way, and it's ridiculous. Hey. If you you know love what you love, and you don't have to be you don't have to come in studying it, and knowing it, and be able to pass a test on it. This is not a citizenship questionnaire <laughs> or anything. Right. You just come in and you go, I like this one. This is my entry point, and I like it. So if I like it, let me see if there's other stuff that I might like too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing, so I too noticed that the Trandoshan went straight for the kill with Yolo. Um, and I would like to think that it is more of the Mandalorian story arc and a secret heart of gold that he has chosen not to kill Yolo more than just <laughs> Yolo alive brings more money. <laughs> so that is my personal headcan, my goal, my theory. Um, but from that moment, we get the really cute scene where Yolo keeps trying to touch the Mandalorian and, um, he has to keep picking him up and putting him back in the carrier. And I just wanted to point out that, like, in my notes as I was watching the show, I just put in parentheses, I am yellow <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> um, but from uh. there, we get we see the Jawas who are stripping the Razor Crest. Um, they just take parts. They don't destroy anything. And that's where we get the this disintegrating scene that Barb was mm-hmm. so, so excited about. Yeah, I and think he, he's, mm-hmm. I think he did disintegrate in the first oh, yeah, scene the with the Trandoshans. Yeah, and so, right. yeah, but, but we get more of it here. Now, here's a question I have because, okay. um, in the first episode, when he was flying towards the planet, I'm like, okay, that looks a lot like Tatooine, but we know that there's other sand planets. Now in this mm-hmm. episode, we get Jawas, and I'm like, okay, this is showing like it's more and more Tatooine, because they haven't said what planet it is. And I'm trying to right. think, is it possible that Jawas exist on other planets other than Tatooine? And I'm like, uh, I don't... I don't know. So what are your thoughts? Does this seeing the Jawas here make it seem like he is on another part of Tatooine? Um, so Wikipedia says that he travels to a desert planet called Avarla 7. I don't know if that's like correct and official because Wikipedia can be edited by anyone. But that's what I'm going with so far. I've never heard that name other than like this one wikipedia page i've never seen it in anything else mm-hmm. but maybe could be mm-hmm. i mean you know in my mind a lot of things i i think the same way that barb was and i kind of look at it and i think okay you know we're in a galaxy where there's lots of interstellar travel so um if if maybe they are from a planet like tatooine if not tatooine itself but they know how to survive in uh desert type atmospheres and so if they do go off to other planets that might be where they look because they've got the same kind of equipment but at the same time you know there was in the background there was a very r5d4 looking uh droid that you mm-hmm. know is the one that smoked out yeah and was getting bought by luke yeah. at one first it's almost like you know that one got just you know broke down and they never got it totally repaired or never sold it. So it's still sitting out there. So it, you know, there's kind of things that make you want to say, this does seem a lot like Tatooine, uh, but there's no way of knowing for sure until they tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually one thing that I was thinking of the whole time that we, or I was watching it rather was um, when the Mandalorian is in pursuit of the sand crawler. Um, have you guys seen Mad Max Fury Road? 
Oh, yes. Okay, so like that whole scene just reminds me of uh, when they're doing that run from the past and they're like fighting off the biker gang and like a Morton mm-hmm. Joe's crew. So I was just like, oh my goodness, just another idea of like being in the wa- wasteland feels like a total desert, but also feels like Star Wars. And so I just had to mention that because that is the best movie. <laughs> this was this was well, no. a fun scene to watch him chasing mm-hmm. down the Jawas. Mm-hmm. And it a lot of the things they do, I think intentionally, I think they're trying to just let you sort of feel like you've seen this in a Star Wars uh, setting before because when they were going to scrape him off the side of the, the sand crawler and he had to jump into that little crevice part just in time before he got scraped off by them, you know, sideswiping a rock. Yeah. Kind of remind me of Chewie in uh, Solo. Oh, yeah. You know, as they're on the train and, you know, he has to get pulled out of the way of that. Um, it also reminded me a little bit of Indiana Jones in the, in the Last Crusade, which... Um, you know, there's a tangential relationship to Indiana Jones. So, you know, I think they're just kind of, they're doing these good scenes that we like to see, but I think they kind of throw in a little bit of things that, for especially somebody my age, and I'm sure Favreau and, you know, and um, Polonia are, are in the same age range as me, they're kind of like hearkening back to things that um, you would associate with being a fan of these type of movies that you have seen before. So little homages here and there to, to a lot of different stuff. And I think that relates back to a couple of things we had said in our first episode where so many things reminded us of Rogue One. And I think mm-hmm. that's just something, it's a variable that helps contribute to the fact that this feels so much like Star Wars without yes. them throwing Star Wars in your face. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think one thing I noticed too, I, I liked it so much more in the second episode was the music. It's mm-hmm. it's very unique for the Mandalorian, it even has this almost whistling tune that's very Western-like, but mm-hmm. still in that space Star Wars theme that it's like, okay, this is Star Wars, but it's different, and it's got its own unique theme. I just, I, I'm going to mention the music all the time because I absolutely love it. No, I love it. So the composer is Ludwig Gorenson mm-hmm. and um so yes. I know that he did the music for Black Panther yeah. and there was times in there where today's um episode especially where I was like this kind of reminds me a little bit of it so I like that it has his his like hallmark mm-hmm. you can tell that it's his music so yeah definitely it's amazing and it's hard <laughs> to replace John Williams even in like a lot of movies that are animated series or different things that we had that John Williams wasn't actually doing the score on. You could tell that people were playing off John Williams sounding scores. And this one is totally different in my opinion. Again, puts Mm -hmm. it more in that Western vibe. And I liked it the first week and I liked it even more this week. So it's really grown on me yeah. too. And it's hard to, cause you know, you're going to compare things when something new comes along, you're going to compare to the old thing. Mm-hmm. And when you compare anything to John Williams, it's going to all sort of fade away. It, it, it might be really good, but it might look lesser or be diminished in the shadow of John Williams. And it's really not with Ludwig. So I think he's doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I really like that, especially considering it's the first live action Star Wars show. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're starting this new thing. We're going to take it in like a completely new direction. Yeah. So I do enjoy that. Um, so obviously the Mandalorian fails in getting back uh, the supplies and things that have been stripped from his ship. Um, and that's when we meet 
Kuwil, um, again, who decides to help him get his parts back. So they decide to barter. Oh my goodness, this actually almost ended up being one of my things that collected the bounty. The fact that he's <laughs> terrible at speaking Jawa. <laughs> and they oh yeah, one of him for you, it. you speak Jawa like a Wookiee. Yeah, that was yeah. And then he, he throws a tantrum and tries to burn them. It was hilarious. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and so that's when we get to the point where they're just like, if you go get this egg for us, then we will give you your parts back. So we get him yeah. fighting this giant beast. How can, did you guys can we Can we back up one second? Because he, yeah, says, he says this line when... I, I don't know. I don't remember the guy's name that he's with, but he says this line to him when he's like, if you put your rifle down, he's like, a Mandalorian's rifle is part of his religion. <laughs> and I was like, yes, because there's so much you learn about Mandalorians in the Rebels series. Mm-hmm. And I really think with Dave Filoni really having a hand in this, a lot of that lore of the Mandalorians is going to come out and we saw that in episode one with the armor and now we're we're getting to know more of it so that even those people watching who haven't seen the rebels and know as much about the Mandalorian lore they're gonna learn about it as they watch this show and I absolutely love that so so Barb I have a question for you then um yes I I I watched through rebels once um, but when I watched through it, I was not the biggest fan of Mandalorian. So I'm going back and I'm relearning <laughs> everything. Um, the fact that the helmet is still on, is that also like a really big Mandalorian thing? And when do you think it's coming off? Well, see, that's it's where coming off? I think it will. And I don't I don't think that I know in episode one, they said something about a Mandalorian never taking his helmet off. And I'm like, well, that's not true because in rebels, we saw lots of Mandalorians Mm -hmm. without their helmets Mm -hmm. on. And so I actually want to go back and rewatch all four seasons of rebels because I, as much as I know some of the Mandalorian stuff, some of it, I just glossed over in my watch and I want to find out a bit more, but you see Sabine and then all the Mandalorians Mm -hmm. on Mandalore that, are part of her family and her friends, you see them with their helmets off. So I definitely think at some point we are going to see the Mandalorian without his helmet, but I think it will be a big reveal. I don't know if they're going to see it without it because I mean, I'm wanting to, I think it's going to help the, the connection with the character, but you know, they kind of also said they're kind of basing it on like the Clint Eastwood uh, character, the man with no name and I almost, I think it's almost like they just want to keep him mysterious, like you know, never getting a name or never getting a face. Um, so I mean, it's it's a it's a waste of Pedro Pascal, but I just kind of get that feeling. I hope I'm wrong, but I kind of get that feeling. Um, and also, we we speculated last week, Barb, too, that or I did at least that I don't even know, you know, because I noticed that same difference that you talked about. I don't know if this is actually. We know he's not. Mandalorian by birth, I believe, since he was, you know, had that flashback of being attacked and, you know, these more religious looking type people hit him in a closet, presumably his mom and dad. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, and then then we're also told, I mean, we're straight up told he's a foundling, which I think is also... Yeah, he's a foundling. That part of the reason he uh, is... I think the reason his consciousness is, is to protect Yolo is because... You know that he's found, he was a foundling. He gives money to his Mandalorian counterparts to find more foundlings. And mm-hmm. I almost want to say to me, it almost appears if they're finding foundlings and there and there's little kids running around um, where he's meeting with the other Mandalorians, it's almost like maybe somebody 
or one Mandalorian or somebody who appreciated Mandalorian culture or somebody who um, felt downtrodden and wanted to is wanted to assert themselves in a different way, kind of took on the myths of Mandalorian and they find other orphans and bring them into this fold. And so it's almost like a found family type of, of group that maybe none of them are actual Mandalorians. Um, and there's even, you know, we talked about how George Lucas said Jango Fett and Boba Fett really aren't Mandalorians. Uh, and there's also, I don't know if you got any of you guys read aftermath, but, um, Boba Fett's armor is found, you know, so he's, he's, we don't know what necessarily happened to him, but it's found on Tatooine and a former slave puts it on to, um, and, and kind of goes around being a sheriff to fight the lawlessness that is happening in these type of places. Um, so he is fighting against all these corrupt places and cities where, because the empire fell, People are sort of, again, being lawless and just kind of, you know, stealing things. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to set order, almost like an old Western sheriff. And the more I just say that right now, it just dawns on me, maybe that's where it started. And other people picked up that mantle of dressing as Mandalorians and trying to maybe do right or do things that they, you know, that helps them get along in this new time. Yeah, and I, I think that's where we go back to what Gina said, where I think we're going to see more and more that this Mandalorian has more of a heart of gold than just out for his own gain. Mm -hmm. um, so here I want to jump in and say that I really, I like the mystique. Uh, eventually I do want the helmet to come off, but I like the mystique <laughs> of, of uh, wearing the helmet and just referring to him as a Mandalorian. So I do want to warn anyone listening and you guys, if you don't know. So Wikipedia, like the main Wikipedia page actually has his name listed. Like, oh, I, I know, know what it is because yeah, he so says it, it in an and interview. he said it in an interview with Screen Slam. So I was like, oh, well, that's a little anticlimactic for you to just say it when the whole time we've been <laughs> referring to him as the Mandalorian. So if anyone listening is someone who like is waiting for that to be a big reveal i would avoid those <laughs> um, yeah i'm because i don't want to say his name but i do want to say that it sounds familiar which is why i want to go back and rewatch rebels especially the ones that have to do with mandalore because i know i've heard something similar oh my goodness barb we talk off air we talk <laughs> we will talk later <laughs> Um, so from there we get to, I guess, what everyone would say is the really big climactic part of the episode because this beast is very hard for the Mandalorian to fight. And at one point we think he's about to lose and this beast is, I guess, going to kill him. And then YOLO for the win, for the save. <laughs> Just using the force and tires him or herself out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now... You know, as I said, we're hearkening back to other scenes. So, does that remind? Did that scene remind you of anything else in Star Wars? I mean, it reminds me of Yoda pulling out the X-wing in Dagobah. Okay, um, the creature itself, though the creature, and specifically fighting the Mandalorian. Oh, well, that's in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, so. you've got mm -hmm, you've got yeah. that creature in the center pit mm -hmm. with Obi Wan, Anakin, and Padme. Right. Yeah. It's it's the reek, and it uh, and so when Jango's going to face off against um, the, uh, the Mace Windu down there, uh, he kind of gets run over from behind by the reek, and yeah. it kind of damages some of his 
his stuff and that sort of, you know, hey, it's Mace Windu. Mace Windu's going to win. But I made, it made it a little easier for him, too. So it kind of reminded yes. me of that because he kept getting run over and rolling under it. And, and very similar stuff seemed to happen to that. So, again, something that kind of is a a Star Wars image and, and, and they work in, but still are working in in a different way and in a, in a really cool show. Yeah. Um, so are we happy with the fact that the force is on this show? I know that when Rogue One was coming out, I think a lot of people built it as, oh, okay, this is the Star Wars movie you get without the Jedi. You can have a moment without the force. Um, and we did get the Guardians of the Well. And it was like um, a, a nice moment um, where you or Barb, were you expecting the force to be a thing come into it? As soon as I saw episode one and saw the Yoda-like creature, I'm like, okay, he's definitely going to have Jedi powers. I just, I knew that would come into play. There's something about this creature that we we don't know, but Yoda was very strong with the Force. He, you know, mm-hmm. he had the most metachlorians aside from Anakin. I know mm-hmm. I, I just brought up brought up metachlorians. So if we just <laughs> lost a ton of listeners, no. I'm so sorry. I love metachlorians. Um, I'm not afraid to say that. <laughs> Same. I'm, I, I love but, it. I love it. But yeah, so I'm and I'm not disappointed because here's the thing: it's a show about the Mandalorian in the galaxy of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for him to travel as far as he does, I'm sure collecting bounties to not see any mysticism of the Force would. I, you know, I just, I don't see that happening as much as Han Solo says in A New Hope. I've traveled from <laughs> one end of the galaxy to the other and I've seen a lot of strange things, mm-hmm. but nothing, I won't keep going. Everybody knows what line I'm talking about, but <laughs> yeah. I, I think Han Solo may have just had blinders on or was just not in the right place at the right time because we know that there's this all powerful full force in this galaxy and to not witness it or experience it even in the littlest bit when you're traveling. I mean, if people are going to be upset that it's in The Mandalorian, let them be upset. But this is Star Wars after all. And so I'm absolutely excited, not only that it's present, but of what's to come now. Because this is establishing something really big, I think, in the life of The Mandalorian, as well as just in the lore of Star Wars. Yeah, and I I agree. I think it's... I love the fact that it's there. um, And... The force, the way they're using it here in the show, you got to remember that we just we're coming out of a time when, you know, everything was suppressed. There was the Jedi were kind of like people by this time had thought, do they really exist? Obi Wan's dead. Um, the most people don't realize that Vader and the Emperor used the Force in some way, and Luke was just a farm boy, and he's come along now, but he's he's the hero of this rebellion that just succeeded but the force is still and jedi especially are still just mythic heroes from the past that a lot of people don't realize know if they existed or not which also kind of leads to maybe why this yolo is so precious because you know somebody who realizes what what we have here and realize that there is a giant void of force users at the present moment yeah yolo is a asset that would um be very dangerous in the wrong hand, so maybe why some people want to eliminate it, or very useful if you could manipulate him to be on your side, which is why maybe somebody wants him to be brought back alive. 
Mm-hmm. Very much agree. Very excited to see that. I'm always happy when the force is in things. Mm-hmm. And and one of those reasons is it's because it's very unique to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And without the force, I almost feel like this could be um, not another space fantasy or even sci-fi. But I do like that it's mm-hmm. it's a hallmark of Star Wars. It's a temple of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels good to me. And and, um, and Dave Favreau's, you know, Dave Favreau, I'm combining it. You know, <laughs> Dave Filoni. But, you know, if it was Dave Favreau, that guy would be awesome if there was a Dave Favreau. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Dave Filoni is part of it and uh, actually directed or wrote this episode. So, um, you know, it's it's he's going to do it. He's he's the person that handles the force the best, I would say, even. So he it's going to have to be in there with him. And he likes, you know, World Between Worlds and Kanan Jarrus and all that stuff. You know, oh, yeah. uh, Twilight <laughs> of the Apprentice. You can't, you know, when Dave starts working with the force, it comes out with some great stuff. So I'm, you know, I know this is uh, John Favreau's the main person in charge, but, you know, I, I bet they've had some really great... Dis- I would love to have been just sit and have a beer with those guys and listen to them have a discussion about the Force and, you know, maybe the, maybe they asked me a question about what I thought maybe and I could hear what they think and that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But I bet it would be really interesting to hear them talk about it. I would join that discussion, <laughs> but with a Coke and rum instead of a beer. Okay. <laughs> um, so from there, um, our precious little, little Yolo tires himself out from his use of the force um and the mandalorian is able to collect the egg which we get to the really gross moment that barb mentioned earlier <laughs> where they eat like the weird yolk like substance i was not expecting that i don't know what i was expecting but it was not for them to eat it <laughs> yeah no me neither i'm like you you're giving up all those parts just to eat an egg okay it must be really good it has to be a big <laughs> giant cadbury egg i so, mean yeah you live in the desert i mean any kind of moist uh, type of snack is probably rare oh. and a delicate you just made it sound grosser, Carl. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it stank too, but I mean, you know, you're living in the desert. What are you gonna, you know, you know, you, beggars can't be choosers. So beggars canyon can't be. Oh no, never mind. <laughs> right. Um. So the Mandalorian is able to collect his parts, and they put his ship back together, and it's running perfectly. And so at that moment, he offers. Um, Q will a chance to I guess be on his crew he's like oh I could use someone and I was immediately taken to when Han was like talking to Rey in The Force Awakens and he was like wouldn't pay very much and it wouldn't be nice to you and I was like oh I'm having a lot of feelings at the moment (laughs) (laughs) Um, but of course he declines Um, he says something like um, oh what was the line he worked really hard not to live a life of servitude and things like that yeah Um, from an outside story perspective, I really like that because I like this idea of like revolving guest characters in the Mandalorian's life. I like that it keeps going and that someone will show up maybe for a little bit, but it's like an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. That's also a very Mad Max thing yeah. that I'm into. Um, but yeah, how were you, how did you guys feel about that moment? I mean, I I liked the guy's answer. Again, I'm not going to try and butcher his name, but I really liked uh, just how he put it. I I kind of expected that as well. I think the Mandalorian, for now, at at this point in the show, is still going to just be that lone ranger kind of guy. He's not going to have a crew at the moment. He's going to do his own thing. And like you said, Gina, he's going to have help along the way. Uh, Different helpers come here and there and may pop back up here and there. But he's, for the most part, on his own. So I liked this part because it was what I 
hoped for and what I expected. He had help, and now the guy's going back to his home. Mm. Yeah, and I kind of see him as a character that, you know, he is kind of like, I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show Angel, but that's a, you know, someone who feels like he'll never be able to redeem himself, but he'll still be a champion for the lesser people, even though he doesn't think it's ever going to bring him any kind of reward or peace or redemption. And I kind of see that Mandalorian the same way. Uh, he's got a certain set of skills that are very useful in, cer- in certain circumstances, and he's going to use them. Uh, and he'll probably never know peace the rest of his life, but he'll be able to allow other people to have that peace. And so he just, like you said, he'll he'll go on in these different stories, and he'll go in and out of people's lives, and it'll be be turmoil while he's there but once he's gone he'll be putting these people in better positions that he himself will probably never get to achieve excellently said um so from that moment we see his ship go up into space it flies off where do we think the next episode's gonna go oh this this is where i'm just like okay he's off of this planet he's got his bounty is he gonna run into any more trouble on his way and is he going to deliver the bounty so i actually really love the ending to this because it 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 opens it up to who knows what Mm -hmm. i i kind of can't even guess which direction it's going to go in now it just is going to revolve around the child at the moment Mm -hmm. i think about the predictions i made um from our first episode for this one and i was like i don't think i got anything right (laughs) (laughs) so i almost don't want to guess at the moment because I'm like whatever I guess it's going to be the exact opposite besides like the big things where he's probably going to reach more trouble I don't think he's going to give up um, YOLO easily Um, but yeah that's all I've got for the moment Carl well I think you know almost as again if he's going to go in out of these little adventures where he gets sidetracked or other people come in and out of the of the show a revolving door as y'all put it uh I almost want to say this is like the Odyssey. So he's going to, he he might be going somewhere. So the first question is, where is he trying to get to? I mean, I guess he might go mm-hmm. back to where he's from, and in in that process, decide: Am I going to give the child to the people to my client who hired me, or do I maybe treat him like another foundling and we just sort of bring him into our fold, and I don't get the reward? I think that's going to be something that he has to sort of because that's a lot of. Well, that Baskar medal getting back in the hands of Mandalorians and, then, and what they could do with that, that's got to be very tempting. And, you know, if you don't know for sure they're going to hurt the child, uh, YOLO, then, okay, you can sort of put blinders on and do it. So that's the question he's going to wrestle with. But I also think, you know, we just put this ship back together and it was two of us in the middle of the night. And I don't, you know, me as the Mandalorian, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Kiel sort of seemed like he did. And we, we got the ship back together. But I bet we're going to have a little trouble between where we're trying to get to and where we're going and we'll have to stop for repairs where we'll meet somebody else in trouble. And we'll also run into other bounty hunters who have the fob and who are going to try to take yellow. That's just my guess. That's really cool too. And I loved, I loved how he tries to wake up little yolo and mm. and as soon as he turns his head that's when you see him pop up i'm like oh my gosh this is perfect i absolutely love him i love him <laughs> yes he is the cutest that is the cutest i don't know how the i mean yeah practical i think it's practical effect i think it's more puppetry than but it may be cgi it's, well if you look at the credits uh there's a whole list of puppeteers okay. so i really love that they're using a puppet for mm-hmm. the little yolo yeah he's adorable 
Um, so we kind of answered this in the first episode. Um, Carl, I'm interested if you've changed your mind or Barb, I'm interested in, in what you have to think at all. Do you think anything in this episode or the Ma- Mandalorian as a whole will have any effect on the rise of Skywalker? I don't know. I was thinking about that after the first episode. I'm like, what does this mean having this little Yoda creature? I know it's not Yoda. You know, everybody, Mm -hmm. we all know it's not Yoda. But what does it mean for the film that's to come? And I don't, I don't know. It's really hard to say where this creature is going to fit in into the whole timeline I I can't see it having an effect on the rise of Skywalker to be honest. But it would be but it would be interesting if it did, but I don't think it will. Well, you say we know this isn't Yoda, but have you ever seen a little episode of Rebels called World Between Worlds? I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> Just saying. So you're saying. So you're saying this has to do with time travel. Time then. travel. Yeah, sure. Time travel. No, there's no time travel. <laughs> because we all know that Devin sat down with his friend Dave Filoni and and got that interview when they, he was watching the last episode with the casting crew of uh, of Rebels. So they, you know, Devin told us straight from his buddy Dave that you know there's no time travel in Star Wars. But you know, I think we also have. Um, we have J.J. Abrams at Star Wars, and he loves time travel, so you never know. But I'm just kidding. I don't. I agree with you. It's not. It's not, <laughs> it's not Yoda, but it would be. You know, if they want to really try to twist your mind and uh, world between worlds, it and he could go back in time and grow up and grow up to the time right and die right before he was born. Well, actually, he well, see been born. now. See now that is really interesting because. If that's the case, and this is Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. I mean, World Between Worlds, Yoda was for nine hundred when he died. Yeah, I believe, yeah. Um, yeah, I so. just around there, and we know that the child is fifty. Yeah, and so that's like we're talking about eight hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. That if yeah, no. if there's some form of world between worlds going on here and then they bring him back to a time yeah. or yeah it's it's an interesting thought though carl i'm just gonna yeah. say it's it, it's definitely interesting it's interesting it's not gonna happen but it's interesting but um i do wonder as far as the rise of skywalker uh we're set okay 30 years between return of the jedi and the force awakens so 80 year old uh the rate he's going he would probably not even be the equivalent of a teenager he would still be you know, preteen, yeah. uh, maybe if it, you know, kind of goes in the way it's going. If he's 50 years and still an infant, but you never know. So could it be a force user strong enough to stand up and fight the emperor and help uh, our heroes? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's kind of like it's, it's that same question we all asked her in Rebels about the original trilogy. Well, how's Rebels going to end? They all going to die, I guess, because we didn't hear about them in the original trilogy. So, I don't think they're all going to die, but uh, it's a big, it's a big galaxy. I just don't think we're going to see this Yolo or show up and, and be useful and, and help defeat Emperor Palpatine in the Rise of Skywalker. So, I really don't think there's going to be any connections to that. All right. Me personally, we all know what I secretly want. I just want Pedro to be in the in the Rise of Skywalker <laughs> <laughs> any way that's possible. Um, so that's my 
false prediction. Um, so we've had our recap. We've looked ahead. Uh, stay tuned for our closing thoughts. It's just another man Sweating in the Sunday Shooting my gun, babe My prayer's gonna run, babe It's just another man, oh, Monday Ahead of IG-88, I got to make the bounty on mine Other hunters want it, they're all trying to cut in line It takes so long cause our sing doesn't fight fair Out dueled campaign but Bosk is already there It's just another Mando Monday Sweating in the Sunday Shooting my gun day My prayer's gonna run day just another man open um so don't forget that the show airs on fridays so the next episode will be on disney plus uh friday november 22nd uh keep your eyes on the unmistakably star wars youtube channel uh for jeremy's videos on the mandalorian they are good and then barb i believe you have an interesting project coming up I do. I just last weekend conducted an interview with this guy from Greece who is doing this amazing project, uh, fan film that is uh, just, in my opinion, like a huge production for a fan film. Like he, there are so many people involved. There's directors and cinematographers and costume designers. It is. It was such a great interview, and. I just want everybody to look out for that interview to pop up on Unmistakably Star Wars within the next week or so. And in the meantime, go check out the website for this fan film called Hunted. It's www.sw-hunted.com. And you can find them on Twitter at HuntedSW. I, I'm telling you, you guys won't be disappointed. This is so amazing. I, I was excited to just share fandom with some people from Greece and how they just have taken it to the next level. It's so cool. All right. Well, I am completely excited and I can't wait to listen to the interview. Um, you can find Unmistakably Star Wars on Twitter at Unmistakably SW. Barb, where can the good people find you on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter at Burlton B. That's B U R L E T O N B. And Carl? Just at Hassler Carl, just by name backwards, H A S S L E R C A R L. It's lots of great stuff because I'm, I'm just very entertaining. And, you know, who wouldn't want to follow me? This is true. <laughs> and then you can all find me at uh, Gina Sanders underscore. Um, and that has been our show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're not done yet. What did you say? As long as everybody behaves, this will be quick and painless. I want more. Hey, listeners, as we get ready to head into the holiday season, and especially here in the United States where we are going to celebrate Thanksgiving, we want to say from our team to you, our listener, 
We are thankful for you. Thanks for hanging out with us and talking Star Wars each and every week. And especially we want to thank our patrons by name who are so generous for their financial sacrifices to keep this podcast going. Want to shout out to our brand new patron, David Anderson, and also Brandon Boylan, Derek DeVernay, Dave Hackerson, Michelle Grandine, Matthew Keegan, Chris Letty, Neil Lowry, Kyle Russell, Regina Sanders, you know her, Aaron Sinner, Skip Skipton, Krista Smolinski, Franklin Taylor, Rick Villanueva, Michael Ward, and the always fabulous C3PO Lovin, the one and only Mrs. Amy Wishman. You guys are so awesome for your financial contributions. Heck, you were awesome well before that, but we thank you so much for being loyal supporters of this podcast. So from the USW crew to you and your family, happy holidays. We are thankful for you. That's going to do it for this episode, my little tauntauns. The circle is now complete. We'll see you next time in the digital docking bay. And until then, may the force be with you. Unmistakably Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. This party's over.